So we're in week two of the five practices of fruitful congregations where we're looking at different practices that congregations that are vital, that are growing, that are thriving, have active in them. And and it's looking really at stuff that all of us do. Like last week we talked about radical hospitality. All churches have hospitality, but not all churches are radical about it and go the extra step and try to to reach into the world and beyond the walls. Today we're going to talk about passionate worship, and I'm pretty sure most churches have worship, but not all of them have passionate worship. And sometimes we get locked into the process of a Sunday morning instead of being available for what God might have for us. So here from Isaiah chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, a time when God broke in. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This is the word of God for the people of God always and for us this morning. King Uzziah, he died about eight centuries before Christ. So this is a long time before Jesus. His, his death was part of a transition from a time of independence to, and, to, and prosperity to one of domination by the Syri- Assyrians. They, the, the Israelites were about to be taken over. Isaiah is in the temple. Now, he, he walked into the worship center. So imagine if you walk into the worship center and, thi- and, and this is what greets you. That's what we're talking about. That's what happens to Isaiah. He has this experience of the holy. So we walk through the doors, and smoke fills the room, and there's no smoke machine. (laughs) And these weird winged things show up, and the doorposts start to to shake to to the point where Bob runs from over there to over here, because he's like, I don't know what's going on over there, but that ain't good. (laughs) Earthquake! That's what happened with Isaiah. He, I'm sure, went to a typical morning for him at the temple. He wasn't anticipating any of that. And that's what met him. It's overwhelming when we consider that the holiness of God, the purity of God, who God is, the power of God, the otherness, because God is so... God is so not human. <laughs> He's so beyond us that we can't grasp it. And it was unexpected. How many of us come to church expecting the unexpected? 
Did y'all come in this morning going, wonder what's going to happen at Arbor Point today? Entered in saying, well, I'm entering the house of the Lord. Anything can happen in here. Anything can happen. See, we have things planned and ordered, rehearsed. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. It'd be kind of strange if you walked in and it was, okay, we're here, God. What do you want? Or maybe it wouldn't. But sometimes, in the midst of our planning, the holy breaks in. God breaks in. All of a sudden, we're not dealing with plans or programs or what's the order of worship we're dealing with God. The one who stands above us and beyond us and works in us and through us. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty. Another translation says, high and lifted up. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. I know we've got some parents and grandparents in here, so imagine if you're sitting, sitting at home and you're eating your lunch on a Sunday afternoon and one of your kids comes up to you as you're swallowing your pasta salad or your pizza and, and, and says, hey, Dad, Mom, you know, I, I saw God this morning on a throne. He was high and lifted up, and there were these weird winged things, and, and there was smoke. It was cool. And you'd probably take another bite in complete silence going, I wonder how much counseling costs. (laughs) (laughs) See, we have this as human beings, and this is a human being trait. We have this need to control, right? To be in control, to control the things in our life that impact us, to, to, to to control the things outside of us. That, that, you know, we care for people. We care for things in our life. And we want those things to go well. And sometimes something out of our control happens and we struggle really hard to try to get things back in order. Of course, it's the order that I want them to be in, but it's still it's an order that I can understand. And I guess the good news or the bad news, depending on our perspective is that we worship a God who is utterly uncontrollable. Utterly uncontrollable. We don't control God. We can't control God. And experience of God is going to surprise us when it shows up in the everyday stuff of life. Even in the messiness of life. It's as if God, we're going along in our day and God interrupts us and says, hey, it's me. Remember me? I had one of these last week. God must have knew I'd be here this morning. Some of y'all have read the story on Facebook. So we moved here, right, recently. So um, for whatever reason, we thought that they were going to mail us a license plate for the vehicle that we bought before we moved. Do you know they don't do that? (laughs) That you're actually supposed to go down and and get that taken care of so that you can get a license plate? Well, it, it expired on March 6th. So on March 7th, I decided to go (laughs) go down and get this taken care of. Now, did you know that in Jackson County, you don't go to one place to get a license, address change, and a tag? That if you want your license changed, you go to Gainesville, 
So I, got out, I went to Gainesville, and I get there, and a 15-minute process took 45. So I'm late already. And then, you know, but then what do you do? Now you go to Jefferson. So I get, and I go to Jefferson, and I go to the tag office and go in there, and, and I have a Nissan Titan truck that we bought. And so I go in there, and, you know, I'm up there, and I fill out, the, get all the paperwork, and it's time to verify the insurance. And I give her the insurance card, and the VIN number is right, but it says 2006 Toyota Tacoma. <laughs> so she said, um, you said it's a Nissan Titan? I said, yeah. I can't accept it. So I said, so I'm stuck. And she said, yeah. So I said, okay. So I stepped aside and I called USAA, who's our insurance people, and I worked out that the VIN number being right and the, uh, we got the title thing fixed, and they, so it was correct. So I get back in line, get before her, and I go, okay, here you go. And she says, oh, great. And she looks at it and she says, it's supposed to start tomorrow. <laughs> I can't give you a tag today for insurance that starts tomorrow. So I said, okay. <laughs> Back on the phone with USA. Now, this time there's a young lady with two boys who comes up to the counter. And her husband had passed away. And she was doing titles on cars and trying to get all that straightened out. And it just so happened that the tag lady was a widower as well who had lost her husband seven years before and was able to help her. And I was able to be there in that moment with her as well. She gave me a hug and she went on her way. And then I was able to talk with the tag lady about the ministry that she was doing. I don't know if she's a Christian or not, but it was ministry, <laughs> so, so, you know, to encourage her. What if I was at Gainesville and it took 30 minutes instead of 45? Different opportunity. I'd have missed that one, though. What if we'd have got the insurance right? I missed it. Now, this was a two-and-a-half-hour process that I was in to get this taken care of. And for whatever reason, I didn't get frustrated by that. It was a weird kind of thing because I get frustrated sometimes. <laughs> 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 but what it was was God showing up and saying, you know that radical hospitality stuff that you talked about last week? I'm going to give you an opportunity to show that to somebody who you don't know and who you're not likely to ever see again. And by the way, you got a message coming up, and I'm going to give you a sermon illustration for it. He broke in to my day, and he messed it up perfectly. Perfectly. God interrupts with his presence. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I could feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Do you know where this place is? Everywhere we go. As a believer, the presence of the Lord 
permeate the places that we go. And we get opportunities along the way. Some we catch, some we don't. But we have opportunities. God interrupts. God intervenes. At that point, everything kind of stops and you become aware that there's something bigger than you. So there's three words, hopefully, as anchors or reminders for today. They're easy to remember. The first one is stop. Stop. In a sense, coming into the sanctuary on Sunday morning is a way that we stop because we're taking time out from all of the busyness and and I know that there are other places to be even on a Sunday. But we make a choice to come to be with one another, to honor God, to worship him collectively as a community. So we come to this place. Taking a day for rest and, and a day for worship is one of the ways that we stop and change our focus. And sometimes we stop intentionally, but sometimes we don't, right? I, I have a tendency is to go, 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 to go, f- to just be busy and to be busy and to go until, God, until I get stopped, usually by I get sick because I wear myself down and then I get sick. And it's like, you won't, <laughs> you won't give me a day of rest? Okay, here you go. Going to get some rest. So I'm trying in my life to change that to honor the Sabbath. It's one of the big ten, by the way. To honor the Sabbath, to take time to spend with God. Isaiah is in the temple. He stops, and even there, God catches him by surprise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. See, God's glory is there. God's glory is there as kids play on a basketball court or a soccer field. God's glory is there. Or as men and women sit in a recovering meeting, a recovering meeting or an Alzheimer unit, God's glory is there as a choir sings, How Great Thou Art, or as a band, band sings, Lord, I need you. God's glory, God's presence is a part of, of, of who we are. God is suddenly in the house, and his glory, his passion is around us. God is a passionate God. And after he stops us, or after we stop, then the second word is look. We look around. Once Isaiah is aware that God's interrupted him, he looks around, and he looks within. And Isaiah is a religious person, (laughs) and he's in the temple, and he knows something's different, something's going on here. And he looks within, and he, and, and he experiences the, the kavod of God, and he experiences inside of himself, woe is me. I'm in the presence of God. And I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And God's response is to purify him. And this is back in the Old Testament. God's response was to send Jesus for us, that we could be forgiven and that we could be purified. One way of knowing we're in the presence of the God of the Bible is the strong connection between God's holiness and our humility. When, we imp- when, when God's holiness impacts us, it reminds us of who we are. We are not God. I am close to you, Lord, but I am lost. You are holy, but I am a sinner closer we get to God, the more we realize that we're fallen and that we need him. We need, we, we need salvation. We need redemption. 
This is not just a one-time thing, by the way. It's not just the moment that we say yes. That's when we're justified is the, is the word for that. But it's not just that. It's, it's a part of our journey. And the, the Christian word for it is, is a bigger word. It's called sanctification. We are sanctified. We are, we are, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. From glory to glory, just by the Spirit of the Lord, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. An experience of, of the purity and, and, and the power of God reminds us of our fallenness. It's a reality check. None of us wants to hear we've done something wrong, but in a way, it's, it can be liberating for us when we recognize it because we can go to God, confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. It's one of my early, early, early memory verses. As a recovering person, I had to confess a lot of stuff. So, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not just that he forgives us, he cleanses us. So when we confess, we get cleansing from God. Confession, all the great revivals that I know of started with a confessional movement, a movement where we went, we need you, Lord. We can't do it without you, Lord. Lord, I need you. And when that happens, it's like the, 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 the coal comes and, and, and it's put on our lips and we're cleansed. We're cleansed. You don't have to carry that weight anymore because you're, you're clean and you're clear and you don't have to live in the junk because you're free. That's how God wants you to live. That's how God wants me to live. And then I bind myself back and I get to come back to him and confess that I have sinned and fallen short. And he, and, and, and he heals that. And he clears me from it. He gives me freedom to walk fully into his grace. He sanctifies me. He transforms me from glory to glory to glory. And that's the heart of the gospel. Our guilt is taken away. Our sin is forgiven. Isaiah has this intense experience of God, a passionate moment of worshiping him, and the foundation of his life are shaken. Some of you know what that feels like. When God shakes the foundations of your life, we stop. We look at ourselves. We open our eyes. And the last word is we listen. Listen. Isaiah's in the temple. He's confessed and forgiven, and then he listens. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Maybe he's saying that to you this morning. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? The call of God. God speaks. And we listen. It's one of the reasons we're here in this building this morning to listen. For God to break in. For God to transform what's going on in our life to draw us nearer to him. We were created for community. We are created to be in community. Jesus grew up in a family 
that attended the temple. He called a group of people together. He called them his disciples. The New Testament is not written just for individuals. Paul was writing to churches to help them. We are meant to be in community. We're created for community. We're wired to be in relationships with one another and with God. The call of God invites us more deeply into that, that we might live into that. Maybe God's calling you into that, a deeper experience of who he is. Maybe he's calling you to share your life with a small group in this church. Maybe he's calling you to share your life with a small group outside of this church. Maybe to be involved in a support group or, or another kind of group. To lead a men's group. Obviously, we need some more men's group because the women are doing everything around here. <laughs> Maybe he's calling you to that. Maybe he's calling you to be a mentor. We have confirmation class going, and we need some mentors, men particularly. God desires for us to experience the whole, and that comes in lots of different ways. God's going to interrupt. If we really want that, God will interrupt your life and bring that about. And it's probably not going to be comfortable. But I don't think Isaiah was very comfortable when the walls started shaking. You know? It's okay to be uncomfortable in this life. If we're going to pursue the Almighty God, then, then get ready for that. God is passionate in the midst of all of life. Sometimes life is messy. <laughs> Sometimes it's beautiful. Regardless, we, we need to cry out to our Savior, to cry out to Him. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts and praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. God gives to us different gifts for his glory. And we get to experience one of those this morning. Jesse, if you'll come. When the ark came into the city, David danced. 